Is maybe the night that my dreams might let me know All the stars are closer All the stars are closer Tell me what you gonna do to me Confrontation ain't nothing new to me You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue But you can't bring the truth to me Alexa, play Kendrick Lamar and SZA Okay With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Blog Talk Radio. Because we're the Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers number one. Yes, we're the Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers number one. Hello everyone, you're listening to Balred Radio. My name is Matt Weston, and tonight I'm joined by the biggest, fattest, and drunkest one of them all, BFD. Hey man, how's it going? Hey, good, and we'll we'll, we'll be to the drunk part in the second half of the show, I promise. <laughs> well, good, good. Uh, did you have a, a merry, merry Christmas, or a merry, merry, merry Christmas this year? Oh, my Christmas sucked this year. <laughs> That's all there is to it. Not enough about me. <laughs> How was your Christmas? Yeah. Oh, it was fine. You know, I I kind of me- messed myself up because I didn't eat very well. Sunday morning, some pastries and coffee, and felt bad for a few hours, and slept and felt okay, and watched this great football team, and uh, and watched some condensed games and all that. But the whole weekend was a good time, being with my brother and friends, and uh, you know that whole sort of thing. That's cool. Yeah, the only thing I did, did that was fun is I made a uh, boneless prime rib wrapped Ooh. in. Butter and bacon. Damn. That was pretty killer. Yeah. That's pretty yeah, nice. that sounds awesome. Yeah, I got an Instapot for Christmas. I'm going to be cooking for like seven minutes, and I'll need some uh, some prime rib recipes and stuff here pretty soon. <laughs> Once I get tired of eating beans every day, you know. No, you could do so much with beans. Ugh. Let, let me know how you like it, because I've been thinking about getting one, but the but Mrs. BFD isn't for it. Hmm. All right, yeah, I will do. I'll pictures every day make her jealous you know well did you know this game why this entire Texan season has gone just expected since Watson went down the Texans being really bad and it's just it's it's even amazing how bad they are I mean we knew they weren't going to be a good team with so many injuries but they're just so predictably bad at this point in time and you know the game I geez I don't even remember the score it was whatever to seven was the final score uh, thirty-four to six. That's right. Yesterday, it's it's just such a bad team in every phase of the game, and it's not all because of injuries. They're just predictably bad. Thirty-four to six. The game wasn't that close. It's just like the the week before it was forty-five to seven Jaguars. It just really wasn't that close. We were never in the game. We never had even a hope. So it's it's a bad football team led by a bad coaching staff and headed by a bad front office. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. A uh, bad football team led by bad coaching staff, a somewhat bad roster, plays bad football game in a very bad season. Yep, I, I think that's it. I mean, it, you know, you can you know, say what you will about Bill O'Brien, but even if you look at Mike Vrabel, that defense is was trash at the beginning of the season, and they're they're trash now. So mm-hmm. it, there's hard hard to have a lot of optimism at this point in the season anyway. When you're you know heading to four, probably a four and twelve end. But to be so ugly at the same time, this season to me is worse than two and fourteen season. Yeah, yeah, and, and I guess like the thing about this year compared to thirteen was that thirteen like you know it was just a, a team that we were slowly realizing was really bad, and this year there was that weird you know like six months where we found the gospel with Watson, and then once he was injured and the other injuries, you know there was no chance at all for this season. So but there was like the the idea and the possibility of what like watching a team with a good passing offense was, and their team was just all, you know, pretty bad the entire time. It just took us some time for the in the, the mass be ripped off the face. Yeah. But I was, just had more, even with Deshaun Watson, I just had more optimism coming off 2013 that the team wasn't going to be that bad. Yeah. Like going into 2014, 20, you, know, you know, there was a lot of bad luck, a lot of that sort of thing. Yes, we've had a lot of bad luck this year. Yes, we're getting back to Sean Watson. But we've had so many guys. Now, if you just look at the defense, Brian Cushing, 
Kareem Jackson, Jonathan Joseph, J.J. Watt, all of those guys are now on the wrong side of their careers. And that's four key star elements from the 2013-2014 team, and, and they're just not going to be the same anymore. So if you look at the defense alone, there's less to be enthusiastic about. And in 2014, you still had a really pretty solid offensive line coming back. You look at this offensive line, and it's straight trash. So, you know, Nick Martin had yet another ankle surgery. And so, you know, we're, it's time to start, you know, is Nick Martin going to be okay? And the fact is, Nick Martin was not great this year. He was solid, but he was not great. Yes, he's still got some upside. No way I'm giving up on him. But this offensive line's not good. So it, there was just more mm-hmm. optimism coming off that 2013 disaster. Yeah, and, and that's a really <clears throat> great point. Um, I really didn't think about like that because you're all right. Like, there's a lot of holes in this roster without the draft capital, and you have you know, free agent cap space. So there's a lot of teams with free agent cap space. So you're going to have to be paying a lot of money to fight over players. And, you know, free agency isn't the most efficient way to, you know, use your resources to build a team in a lot of ways. And, you know, you talk about offensive line, you talk about the secondary especially. Um, You talk about, you know, the – I guess the linebacker core should be okay. But, I mean, you have to rebuild the entire offensive line and the entire secondary and probably add one more pass rusher. And uh, to do that in one offseason with limited on draft capital is going to be really hard to do. And the Texans are going to have to hit on that second round pick they trade up for. And, you know, third team, we talked about it a lot. Uh, you know, I wrote about a lot that four team wasn't going to be that bad, but this team could compete right away if they, you know, upgrade the quarterback position. And, you know, they should, they probably have better head coaching by default. And that's what happened, but they didn't really get a quarterback at all and kind of, you know, pissed down the, the two seasons after that and took a shot to Oswald and that didn't work out. And then next year you have the quarterback, but you have all these old guys and, you know, you already have a team with injury problems. And you have two entire groups you have to rebuild, and you know I don't I don't think it's a shoe, and this team's going to be you know great next year, but they should be good uh, as long as Watson you know, plays as well as he does. But even then, you know that was a that could have been flying really close to the sun, and it was only you know six games or so, and two of those games they got beat up pretty good early on. So I don't know, it's it's a it's a weird time, it's a weird time right now. Yeah, agreed. So. I don't know. I guess that's enough about that. It's just it's just so different. It just really is. It strikes me how different it is, even with this, you know, Watson at quarterback. You know, it was a lot better, you know, it was a lot worse of a feeling going into uh, 2014 with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but the rest of the roster was solid. I mean, that was a legit 9-7 and team. Um, this, you know, you look at the team next year, you go, wait, is this really a legit 9-7 and team? Are they going to have to do the offense just 100% reliance upon two guys? And the answer right now is yes. Mhm. Yeah, and I mean, also like you know that the offense with Watson and uh, you know if Hopkins is healthy, it just creates a lot of opportunities for guys like you know Ellington and Fuller and you know Miller had a better time you know running based on all that play action and mal play fakes they had and Watson's running ability made the running game so much better too. So I mean, it makes the entire offense like systematically better and offensive line is as important with a quarterback like Watson compared to a quarterback with Savage, but you know you still need some level of competency there and. You know, as of right now, like we can talk about the offensive line. Uh, at center, you know, Nick Martin's having ankle surgery. And so you assume he's going to start there. But Suofio's in the last year of his contract. He probably will go somewhere else. Uh, you have Julian Davenport, left tackle. Maybe you have Jeff Allen, you know, and him could maybe have a preseason uh, train camp out. But you can cut Jeff Allen and save $6 million or so. You maybe move Derek Noon to right guard. But who knows if he can play. You can also cut him and save $5 million. Uh, you have Manks, who can play center or guard, but you know, Manks is more of an outside zone blocking guard and be better for playing center, but you have Nick Martin there. And then right tackle, you have Jack Amini play the entire year, and he's absolutely terrible. So, I mean, you may have only one spot at the center position. So what, do you, what are your thoughts about the offensive line next year? Do you, how, do you, how many players from this current Texans roster think you're going to be starting on this, on this team next season? I think that you're looking at the starters. There's nothing in free agency. I mean, I, we, we kind of talked about it a little bit last week, and I'll, I'll yeah. pull up this. Uh, but there's nothing available in free agency. It is just an absolute um, free. Yes, I'm Googling it. If I yeah, I mean, you really, really you have to hope is that guys get cut, like they do every year to save money, and that you know, the wrong guys get cut. You can pick some people up there from there. But, I mean, there's absolutely nothing you know, really available at all. I had the best left tackle is Nate Solder, and he didn't even want to play really at all this year, and he never retired for this season, and he's not even that good to begin with as well. Yeah, yeah, and I'm finally getting to it and 
quit. Yeah, and we're just looking completely at unrestricted free agents. If you look at it's, you know, none of these guys are going to be young. You got Greg Robinson's a bust, and he's going to be 26 next year. Uh, Chris Clark, Brino, none of these guys are good. So you can't look to free agency to help any position on the offensive line unless you think Greg Robinson can kick inside and be an effective guard. That might be possible, but that's going to be a heck of a gamble even on that. Um, otherwise, you're talking Andre Smith. Evan Smith at center. He's not going to adjust well. DJ Fluker has been a bust. None of these guys are going to help you next year. So if, looking at the team right now, I mean, I think realistically you're looking at uh, Davenport at left tackle. I, I don't know – what we do about Suofilo, I mean, there's no reason to extend him, but I don't know how we don't at the same time, you know. You're looking at Nick Martin at center. I, I think Manx has earned the opportunity to start at one of the guard spots at least. Slade hasn't been terrible. You have to do something about Giacomini. You just have to. He is not only is he a horrible, horrible football player, but he's, he racks at penalties and uh, after the whistle as well. You have to do something about him. I think three of these guys minimum come back, and it depends on what we do with Suofilo. And Suofilo, by the way, is one of the worst strength left guards in, in, by PFF. That's just how well thought of he is. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, Suofilo's had the same problems, you know, his entire career where, you know, he's gotten stronger, so he's good at the first level. But when he whiffs, he whiffs really bad in pass protection. And he doesn't use his hands well, so he doesn't strike the chest and hold on. He always shoves to the second level. He never hold, you know, he doesn't make blocks at the second level at all. He just kind of runs with the eyes, and he doesn't block as much as he should. And you know, there's not really more like that over and over and over again with him. And uh, he's like four fifths of the way there, but you know, he never can get that last fifth bit unless he either one, you know, learns how to, you know, learns how to read uh, as far as that goes, or he gets better coach problem uh, that'd be the other thing he would go somewhere else to get better coaching probably but yeah I mean yeah, I, don't, I don't understand him at all he's had such a weird career but I don't I mean I don't think they bring him back but I think it's going to be probably Mang to Martin and then Julian Davenport at left tackle and Davenport looks really good this game against uh, TJ Watt he was like actually looked kind of strong and with the entire summer you know this is the same but he's just not the strongest guy right now but if he gets the strength on him I think he can be a good pass blocker to start left tackle in the NFL. And then whatever you can get from the run game to be, you know, good enough uh, in that regard. Did you watch him at all in this game? Kind of close. I, I could tell when you, when you asked the question in the pregame sheet that you really liked what you saw at <laughs> Davenport. Uh, I, I think he, you, you hit it. He really needs to hit the weights. I also think that he's still going to struggle. Not only is he going to struggle with, with, you know, the, the bull rushes, I think he's struggling a little bit too with even um, uh, speed rushes. He's got a long way to go. I think just the learning curve alone to play left tackle in the NFL is going to be pretty large for him. I think he's struggling with it. I, I see his upside as being a very solid right tackle. I, I don't see him as a left tackle, but um, with better, with good coaching and with, with uh, making sweet love to the strength room on a daily basis, I think would help him tremendously. Yeah. I, I see him as left just because he's he's a really natural kick slider. He's really long arms, and you know he's never. I don't think he's ever going to be that good of a run blocker. And so you know if you're above average pass blocker, left tackle, whatever you get, the run game is good enough. And I and you know I think it is going to take some time. Uh, you know this year, and I never really expected anything at all from him this year, especially watching the preseason. But there's such a huge difference between the NFL and Bucknell, and I think he's starting to get it. I think he had you know a really nice game against Watt, but. Again, the biggest thing is just going to be getting strong enough to be able to play that position. And whenever you make contact, you know, you kind of end uh, any score movement right there at that point. Yeah, I agree. He's an interesting guy. I think if you were saying, hey, do we possibly have the left tackle of the future on this team? I think the answer is yes, we might. Um, don't know if he's, you know, he's not there just yet, but at least there's something to build off of. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I liked him a lot, too, after they drafted him. Uh, I thought, I was like, yeah, this guy can really move, you know, really well. Watching his grainy, you know, uh, found footage video from Bucknell. And, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny, too, because he was blocking guys who were like, looked like 5'10", 165. They're probably bigger than that, but they're just so much smaller than him. And he was kind of slinging around the run game and stuff. But anybody about close to his size, it wasn't the same way. But, yeah, I mean, I hope the best for him. He's kind of – he's interesting and as a mid-round pick, you know, 
it's always awesome those guys kind of come together. And there's a lot of things, a lot more work that has to go to making him a good player compared to somebody like, you know, Bowles in, uh, in Denver, Ramsick in New Orleans, who are you know, more highly talented first-round picks who are already you know, more put together. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a great point. All right, so let, let, let's play this what else we liked here. We don't want to be you know, too negative. We kind of go negative and happy and uh, kind of do that throughout the show. Uh, I like the Hopkins catch. It was the only highlight from you know, Texas regard. We're like, you know, this game starts off and Hopkins is open. You know, the Pittsburgh doesn't have a very good secondary. Their secondary is masked by their front seven. And, you know, they're, they're all guys who can blitz pretty well, too. And, uh, you know, Hopkins is getting open and Yates is overthrowing him and just throwing these absolutely awful passes where, like, Hopkins is laying on the ground, gets up, and he's, like, motion things above his head and, you know, telling him this and that. And Yates, you know, just can't do it at all. And then so he ever throws him in the corner of the end zone. Uh, Hopkins reaches up with his right hand. Tips the ball up in the air as he's coming down. He catches it with his left hand. Somehow, I, I still have no idea how he got both feet in bounds and then fell over Joe Hayden for the score. And that was with 12:30 left in the fourth quarter of the game, 27-0. And those were the only points the score the Texans scored the entire day. Oh, and then on the next on the two point conversion was great too because he runs that slant and gets open. And Yates just like rockets one above his head and doesn't come close to completion. Hans was like, you know, whatever, man. You know, I can't do anything about that. Yeah, uh, it, it just goes to show you. I mean, the dude's leading the league in TD catches. I mean, it just goes to show you what an amazing uh, wide receiver he is. Nobody, there's nobody in at the NFL, and I just really am starting to have a hard time finding an equivalent historically about someone who gets his feet in bounds like he does. That that was the big thing. The catch was great. The catch was amazing. Getting the feet in bounds was just truly off the charge. It's just it, it's a pleasure watching him week in week out. Mm-hmm. And I think he's I, – I have to look at the numbers again, but I think he's like, what, six catches off the most receptions in the league. I think he's like 124 yards behind Antonio Brown for the most yards. So it's possible if he has a big week against the Colts with whoever the hell his quarterback is uh, that he could actually lead the league in touchdowns, catches, and yards all in one season. Yeah, he's 155 behind uh, Brown in yards, and he is – um, he's got 96. Jarvis Landry has 103. That'll be hard to to beat Jarvis Landry. Here, here's the big difference, though. Jarvis Landry has uh, 895 yards and those 103. Yeah, <laughs> like 8.7 yards a catch, and DeAndre's is 14.4. Yeah, which is pretty hilarious. Yeah, I had Landry's had just like such a silly, just like seven yard catch season over and over again. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty pathetic. Yeah. Uh, so what did you like about this game? Name me something. Let's hear what you like. Uh, the other, what did I like? There, I, I got to be honest. This, this was a miserable game to watch. There just wasn't much to watch. Uh, the only thing that was kind of fun was watching the the running game, and so I thought it would segue us into that question as well. Was watching the running game be somewhat successful? Uh, watching Alfred Blue actually make uh, a couple people miss here and there. <clears throat> that was kind of funny in an LOL kind of way, but. Um, it, it was just it was this game was exactly what you would thought it would be when it wasn't pretty. So uh, there wasn't much I liked. There just wasn't. You yeah, say something nice about Dave Westenberry for me then. Say that again. I didn't catch that. I said some say some nice things about David Questenberry for me then. David Questenberry played. Who really cares about anything else? Um, thank you for catching that too. The mere fact that he was out on the field after what he's had to battle through. Man, the guy could have gone out there, ripped the ball out of T.J. Yates' hands and given it to uh, T.J. Watt, and I still would have stood up and clapped. <laughs> yeah. And it was cool, like, watching him play as a sixth offensive lineman because that's a need for this team. You know, they were playing Kendall Lamb out there. And, like, you know, I understand the coaches have a hard job and talent evaluation is a hard thing. But, like, to run six offensive line as much as you did last year and be by far the worst team in the NFL to do it and have Kendall Lamb play 150 snaps and give up like seven sacks in 150 snaps and then to go into 2017 and not only have him as your six offensive line but still have tackle and then put him as your six offensive line after you bench him and then stick with him have is just um just it's unbelievably stupid. And, uh, like, I, I don't understand it at all. I never will why he ever played any snaps all to begin with. 
And so, like, watching Quentin Larry play, like, you know, the sixth offensive lineman, like, he was covering up guys. He wasn't, you know, getting beat back real fast. He, uh, like, you know, he was creating stalemates on one-on-one blocks, which is all you're asking for on those blocks. And, you know, he, he played some football. He's like a, a real sixth offensive lineman out there. So, I mean, that, that was really cool to see. It's very seeing somebody, you know, competent compared to the incompetent position. A little bit of that makes back when he's come back from. And to be a six-round pick even and play NFL snap, you'd be somebody with, with cancer to come back and play. But be a six-round pick, have cancer, come back, and then keep working as long as he had to – as long as he did to play, even when snap is pretty spectacular. Because, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I think for myself, like if I went through all that, I would say there's more important things than playing football and get healthy and, uh, you know, do other things. But he stuck with it and he got to play. And, you know, he looked pretty good doing it. Yeah, and you know, remember he wasn't a bad at all prospect coming out of college. You know, he, he didn't know if he was going to be a guard or a tackle on the NFL level. Uh, just to, just showing mere competence was nice to see uh, yesterday. But it's just yeah, you got to love what the guy does, and I can guarantee you, I was wearing my DQ T-shirt yesterday during the game just just to to root him on. Yeah, and I guess your your final shirt hasn't come in the mail yet, has it? My final shirt hasn't come in the mail. Your, Am I expecting your, something? Your, no, your flannel shirt hasn't come in the mail yet, has it? Oh yeah, I haven't gotten my jacket. Yeah, I'm still waiting on my yeah. jacket from from Ryan. Yeah, I, I, I should I email him about that. To you. Yeah, you should. I think you should hold on to it until you say something to him. I, I think that he's there's so much baby spit up on it. He's just embarrassed to send it to me. Plus, you know, Ryan's a big dude. And yeah, I've lost a lot of weight, so I don't know if I'm gonna have to like go throw it in the washing machine and then dry it on like super hot. <laughs> To get it to even remotely fit me, uh, otherwise it might you know kind of fit like a tent. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that's baby spit up on that jacket also. Oh, totally, totally. That yeah. would be that would be so Ryan. <laughs> um, no, um, yeah, call it call yeah call it baby spit up. Or you can also make things smaller. You can take it to the tailor, get slimmed down a little bit. Also, I know it's hard to make things bigger. You can always make them smaller. You know. That's true, but what happens if you win it? Ah, oh, never mind. It's not going to happen. It's just going to have a nice home here from now on. Yeah, probably so. Well, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm <laughs> down to – I like 216 right now. I'm trying to get down to 205, so maybe I can fit into a small by that point. In the in the next seven years until I finally win it. <laughs> I like my squad, though. I like my squad. Um, I, I also liked on the Hopkins touchdown catch, he did that snow angel thing, and there was that – he was flagged for it, and I didn't understand why. You, you know, because, like, you can do pretty much whatever you want after you score. And what happened was, was the Steelers got his flagged because <laughs> Hopkins is laying on the ground with his eyes closed, making the snow angel. And the defensive back from the Steelers comes down and lays down right next to him. <laughs> and Hopkins opens his eyes and sees him, gets immediately pissed off and pushes him off. And that's what the penalty for. And that just, you know, I, I cried. I laughed so hard whenever I saw that. Wait, wait, wait. I thought the Steeler guy got the penalty. I not yeah, yeah, the Steelers the Steeler guy got the penalty, but the penalty came when the Steelers got for laying down next to Hopkins, and he was – Look, I saw – I had no problem with that. I thought it was pretty dadgum hilarious. That the, yeah, it I was. think it was uh, – I think Williams, the linebacker, that flopped down next to him and started doing that. I thought that was great. <laughs> I was upset. <laughs> That's not a penalty. Yeah, Let the guys make a snow angel. <laughs> and that was one of the best things of the entire game, too. Uh Hundred percent worth it, you know. That was so. That was just so good because Hopkins had his eyes closed too, had no idea what was next to him, and was immediately upset. Yeah, it's like the, the you know first case of coyote ugly we've seen on a football field. <laughs> uh, I the other thing I liked in this game was when T.J. Yates got injured. I'm doing that rabbit ear thing. You know, he sees the the safety or the slot corner come off the edge unblocked. He sees him. He doesn't go down all the way. He kind of, like, bends his back, but his knees don't touch the ground. Like, he doesn't give himself up. And he takes his hand a weird way, and he gets him to the side. And then he comes out of the game for a concussion evaluation. But he was never hit in the head at all. He was hit by, you know, a defensive back that really didn't hit him very hard. And, like, whenever he got hit, he just, you know, went to his knees, and that was in the play. And at that point, he was thrown for a negative net passing yards. So my theory here is that Yates just did not want to play football anymore. He was having an awful game. He wanted the younger guy to have a shot. He didn't want to be there. It was Christmas Day. You know, the team is, what, 4-10 four and, four and ten at that point. You know, nothing matters at all. And I think he came out on his own accord just because he didn't want to play anymore. 
And then it wasn't until Heineke got injured with the actual concussion that he was actually forced to come back out there and play again. But I don't think he wanted to be out there at all whatsoever anymore. Well, I, he didn't. He didn't want to come out, but it. I. I don't know. I, I'm glad they took him out. It, it did look like it was kind of just a weird collision, and I could see the, especially with the whole Tom Savage thing uh, a couple of weeks ago. I could see them being extra careful about that, the concussion protocol and making that work. So, uh, I had no problem with it. But you know what? If your speculation is that T.J. Yates was just done with football for the day, I'm totally buying that. I think so I really do because you know there. I don't think there was any way. And it's actually you hit hard enough to come out. He was playing so bad. Um, the other thing I liked in this game is Martavis Bryant had this catch where it was like it was like a third and seven, like simple in route that he caught. And McKinney hit him, and then the safety hit him. And he was one of the few people I've ever seen actually get extra yards and fall forward after McKinney makes contact with them. And so he kind of spun to the outside and used his really long arm to stretch for the first down and, uh, and convert that third down. And you just never see that against you know McKinney whatsoever. And it also makes me really excited for you know, this potential, you know, Pat Steelers AFC championship because if you know Smith Schuster is doing what he's doing and you know, Brian's playing like he's playing right now, and the Antonio Browns in the mix, and hopefully you know he can get healthy enough. Uh, the Patriots don't have the cornerbacks to cover those three guys, and so I think we can actually have like a really great uh, you know playoff game between those two teams, which is something that you know we've never had. The Patriots just destroy them every single time. Yeah, that's true. And and the other you know person in on that tackle to to allow Bryant to make that first down was that Cunningham. So he got gotcha. three guys on that tackle. So mm-hmm. getting through McKinney was bad enough, but the you know that was just a baller play. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. That's going to be a fun game because I think that's the inevitable matchup in the uh, uh, AFC uh, uh, final game. God, I'm blanking on the correct terminology. Sorry, all I've got. I'm, really fighting allergies and I'm on a lot of drugs right now. Um, so I think that's going to be a fun matchup because yeah, if there's a team that can actually beat the Patriots, I think you're looking at the only one, the Steelers, and they kind of beat them last week. Yeah. And well, and I think the Jags can potentially upset both those teams just because they have a great pass defense. They can get to the passer. Um, if they get up, it just really depends if they get to a lead at all. If they can get to any sort of lead, and use their pass defense. They're going to make the game shorter. You know, they have a shot. They could potentially do what the Broncos did to the Patriots in the 2015 AFC Championship game, where they, you know, hit Brady 30 times and sacked them nine times, and you know all that. They don't have a pass rusher good Von Miller. They have interior rushing, and uh, you can get to the quarterback quicker that way. And the Patriots have a left guard and a center that aren't that good at pass blocking. So then the Jazz essentially upset other teams, but. Uh, the obvious team, you know, the team with the best opportunity to upset or usurp the Patriots is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, the big problem is that the, the uh, Jaguars still have Blake Bortles at quarterback. Yeah. Well, you know, you throw some throw enough crossing routes, you know, you break one tackle, you get some yards up to the catch, uh, and you go up, you know, 13-6, you know, hey, you know, who knows, who knows. But that's really key for them is getting a lead and minimizing Bortles yeah. as much as you have to. Yeah. Yeah, and it, you know, I'm so happy that Boros has even gotten to this point where we can say this about him, where he's like he's kind of like a a dumber, bigger, you know, Alex Smith, which is you know very fun to say. <laughs> and then you look at the Smith out or the game out Smith had this weekend, where he's chucking the ball downfield at will. It's crazy. Yeah, he's become he's kind of angry right now. He gets really feisty this time of year. Yeah, well, I think you know everybody saw the Chiefs' defense stall because they quit pushing the ball down the field, and you know that's what happens. You have to turn around and start chunking it down the field to make up for it. Yeah, you gotta stretch the field. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and the last thing, like I like Christmas. You know, like I said at the beginning of the show, you know, Christmas was fun this year. I think my favorite thing about Christmas now is whenever it's during the week, and you wake up and you drive somewhere on like a Tuesday morning, and there's just no cars on the road at nine o'clock. You know, I love that. That was my favorite thing, I think, about Christmas this year. You know, just wake up Monday at, like, you know, 8 o'clock, driving to the folks' house, and the entire street's just being empty with nobody out there. And, you know, that never that doesn't happen on an 8 o'clock Monday morning for everybody in the entire, you know, country to just stop doing everything they're doing and have that happen. It's just kind of remarkable, you know. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm an artist, you know. That's how, you, that's how I see the world. Uh, anything else in offense you want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's talk about. I, I want to 
quickly just talk about Kevin Johnson since he's got that as a bullet point. Or am I cheating? Did you want to wait and? No, but well, I think on you... offense we'll move into defense here in a second. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, let's move on to defense. Okay. Yeah, let's for defense. Let's talk about these cornerbacks first. Uh, Kareem Jackson failed to have a big Martavis Bryant catch, which is just you know Kareem Jackson. But the, it's about Sufio, how he can't grab at the second level, like punch the chest and hold, stick on his blocks at the second level. Kareem Jackson just can't turn around and look for the ball. Uh, if only his defensive back coach was, you know, I don't know, the little girl in the exorcist, he'd be a much better player. Uh, Jonathan Joseph was burning on Brian Ketch as well. He even struggled to cover Vance McDonald in this game at times, which is the saddest, you know, sentence to say. And Kevin Johnson gave up a touchdown catch to Justin Hunter. Now, this is that same skinny, long-legged, you know, Justin Hunter who looked like a frog in his you know, shoulder pads. Uh, he played for the Titans in the Munchak and Wisenhunt era, who was awful. I think he went to Baylor, too. He never did anything in Tennessee. No, he, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. But he, he went to University of Tennessee? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So he went to the University of Tennessee, played for the Titans, never did anything there. He's given plenty of snaps, plenty of opportunities. And he beat Kevin Johnson for a touchdown this game. Uh, who had the worst game of the three? Oh, they are. and see, and we have to throw. We got the PFF grades, and it said Andre Hal had a great game. And I'm looking at the touchdown he gave up, and said, "Geez, he was smoked by ten yards in a fifteen yard route." <laughs> like, where's Andre yeah. Hal? <laughs> you know, um, and PFF still gave him decent grades. It's like, man, that's that's he just smoked. So. I, you, I think you have to go to Kevin Johnson. He has just been so consistently bad all year. Uh, he's now hurt again. Um, it's just he's he is not the same guy we saw his rookie season. He is a far worse player than he was the first day he stepped on an NFL field. It's just it's terrible to see. That would be my vote. Yeah, I mean, if you're giving up a touchdown catch to Justin Hunter, like that's just I don't know. Like it's just so sad. Like he got beat twice by Hunter too. He got beat on the slant, and he was chasing to cover up that. And then Hunter turns back around, and then Johnson is just, like, running in place, trying to get back in front of him, gets beat on that. And, you know, Rollisburg puts the ball in the right spot. But, I mean, I, I just couldn't believe it, you know. Like, when they said Hunter, I was like, who, who's that guy? And then uh, Luke brought up in the threat. I said, oh, my gosh, it's, it's that Justin Hunter. And I, I couldn't believe it. But, uh, you know, all, I mean, all three guys had a bad game, and they're going to continue to have bad games until, I don't know, until football finally stops. Yeah, I, it, all three of these uh, – well, Kareem Jackson for sure. He should have been moved off the cornerback two years ago. Yeah, uh, I've been saying it for finally. several years. Yeah, yeah and, and now it's almost too late. I don't even know if he can play safety at this point. I think he could. And then, that's yeah, he would play better with his face to the ball, Matt. Yeah, and, and also like with Andre Howe, you have a guy who's you know, really fast <laughs> and quick, and he can cover you know from the center of the field to the sideline. And so Jackson's not having, unless you're, you know, as long as you're not playing a lot of cover two, uh, if you're not, yeah, as long as you're not playing like a lot of cover two and cover four, which the Texans just love playing cover four for some reason, uh, he can be, you know, an effective safety back there. And, you know, he's such a good tackler too, and he can cover tight ends pretty well. So, you know, I'm still here for Kevin Jackson's a safety. And, I mean, if you're going to keep him on the roster, if you want to cut him and save $60 to go get other players, I'm fine with that also probably. But if you're going to keep him on the he has to play a different position because he can't start cornerback next year. Yeah, and who are we going to sign to play cornerback to replace him? I mean, there's nobody out there. Well, there's Trumaine Johnson. Okay, somebody's going to pay him, I mean, I don't know, $19, 21000000 AJ Boye money. Prince of, yeah, so Prince of McAmura. You know, Malcolm Butler has been a bust. This is not a good – there's not a lot of talent out there. It's like for Tremaine Jan- Johnson, who you're going to c- bring in if he's going to help day one. Hey, Bryce McCain's an unrestricted free agent. <laughs> the you know the article that I'm going to have to write is just going through each team and looking at potential guys they can cut and kind of come up with the idea of additional free agents are going to be available because that's really you know where the Texans are going to find their free agents this year. It's not going to be from the guys because it really isn't. It's really scant. You know the pickings there. So that's going to be all about the guys you. I don't, I don't know who that who that is right now, but it's something for sure to ride when the tour is over. 
Yeah, and, and you know, I think Jonathan Joseph's 34 next year, and I think he's done at this point. Yeah. I think he's done. He's lost his long speed. He's getting burned by tight ends. And he's not the first tight end to, to burn him this year. He was also struggling against, uh, well, Travis Kelf. Who was it earlier this year he really struggled against? He had a lot of one-on-one matchups. I can't remember who it was now. Yeah, but, so that's not the first tight end. Time. Yeah. So it's, you know, there's a couple of guys here that just really have issues. Yeah. And, I mean, he was, he's the best free agent Texas have ever signed. He was, you know, great. But uh, time, you know, time devours us all, you know. Uh, the other thing on defense, too, that happens is that Clowney went down with an injury. And this is the second straight week this has happened where he's down on the ground, he's hurt, he's rolling around. He comes up to the sideline, you're worried, he snapped a muscle, uh, he ripped a tendon, and then he comes back in and starts playing again. You know, how horrified have you been every single time this happens where he's playing for nothing and, you know, he's down there on the ground and you have no idea what's uh, you know, setting him? That's been terrifying because, you know, he's, he's like the last man standing, right, at this point in time. So it's kind of been terrifying to see that. When he got hurt yesterday, it didn't look as bad. I was really – when he got hurt against uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, that one was, you know, I was like, uh-oh, that looks really, really bad. And it turned out to be, what the heck is going on? Why is nothing working? Why aren't you working here? This is crazy. I can't even go to the – really? You're drunk. Go home. Um, it's, it's been, uh, really terrible to see what's been going on with that. Uh, but yesterday was more okay. Last game was, was icky because it looked like his, yeah, it looked like a much worse injury. It just, it looks like a weird stinger he's getting. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's, it scares me though every single time because he can't be hurt going into next year. Uh, we already had Nick Martin. You know, the entire team's built on IR. You mentioned Nick, R- Nick Martin. He had ankle surgery. It's finally been announced, and he should be back to play at the beginning of next year. Um, none of these injuries are supposed to affect after. You know, everybody's supposed to be healthy by the time the season starts next year. But if you get injured now, if you get injured now at all whatsoever, you can't. You're the if you have like an ACL. So you're not going to be ready for the start of next season. There's no reason to play clown at all anymore. Um, you're really only because, A, he wants to play football, which is true, and, B, you want to give him some sack numbers, tackle numbers, which is also true. So, um, I'd, I mean, he's going to play this week, but I'm not going to be uh, – I'm going to be horrified the entire time it's happening. Yeah, it was Delaney Walker, who Jonathan Joseph, by the way, struggled against. Gotcha. Who is the guy going to play for Delaney Walker? Yeah. Oh, Delaney Walker. They said Dominic Watkins. I said, I don't know. Who oh. But Walker beat him up. And that, and that changed that entire game, too, because Tennessee couldn't move the ball at all because they run their head into the wall. And they go, oh, we can throw the ball downfield. We can throw the ball downfield to Walker, and he's going to be wide open every time. And that changed that entire game. Could you imagine how much better that team would be if somebody knew how to use Marcus Mariota? Scary. Well, like, run an offense that goes – that attacks other's weaknesses, you know, because I think, like, I think the meth mouth thing works fine for Mariota, uh, but like, because he can do it, and then you can also go spread, and you have such a huge time you can play in so many different ways by doing that because of his running ability. But like, you have to, it's like when you play the 49ers, you have to go quick spread passing attack. You, know? you don't just run the ball up the middle over and over again. And they, I, I'm not a Times fan anymore. I talked about it last week, but just. Scheme to your opponent, and you have the talent, you have the quarterback, you can run this offense and do a lot of other things. And so do it. You can be in the house right now. And so they're going to blow out, blow out, which makes me, you know, just so happy. Those two, they're going to lose the playoffs because they started Nate Peterman, which is going to allow the Chargers to get in as long as they win this Sunday, which is also just so beautiful, you know, that these stupid teams actually, there's repercussions for them being as dumb as they are. That is still amazing. I, I just don't have no idea who could have ever had that thought that that would be a good idea. It's just so incredibly stupid. Hey, Peterson, you're in. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Five that's, picks that's exactly later. What hey, Peterson. <laughs> Peterson. <laughs> yeah, you know Sorry. that they walked in the office Monday morning. He's like, all right, we're going to make a quarterback change. And Peterman, your star is like, and deep inside, it's like, oh, no, no. <laughs> and it's also a really good defense, too, you went up against. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Like imagine being a Bills fan. You haven't made the playoffs once this decade or this century. You have a shot. Like it's all breaking perfectly to just win nine games again, and that's what's going to you know, completely ruin your, your chance to get in the postseason. 
<laughs> it's awesome. Too bad that's not like, you know, Tennessee or having the same thing happen to them or the Colts or something. That'd be funny too. Yeah. yeah. Each team instead, you know, kind of ruin their year in different ways. Um, right. That's all I have for this game. Is there anything else that you want to mention at all? No, this game was just straight terrible to watch. It was terrible. It was yeah. terrible to be a part of that game, and I'm I'm sorry I watched it live. Yeah, me too. I feel bad for my family because I was like, "Hey, can we put the Texans game on?" Because I said I would take care of the you know the threads for it. And I messed up one of them too, and so they like, yeah, you know, we'll do that. And they're like, <laughs> the third quarter happens, and they're down like you know thirty four six, and like, hey, why is this? My brother goes, "Why is this crap still on?" Uh, they all kind of like got numb and forgot that it was on, and like subconsciously finally realized that he was losing his life, and uh, and then only then we put on you know the basketball game and watched that instead. Wow, that's pretty depressing, man. Yeah, I felt like I've I've ruined their Christmas in some ways. Well, then that sounds nice at least. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it was a terrible game. So this week the Texans are playing the Colts. It's the last game of the season. And this is like, I don't, I don't believe in guilty pleasure anymore after I read a Chuck Klosterman essay. It's like, you know, if you like things, don't feel guilty about them. You know, if you like some trash things, it's fine. You, and he wrote about how he likes the Ashley Simpson Chuck. This is from like, like you know, bad stuff. Own up to it that you like it and you find entertainment and pleasure out of it. And so I'm not going to call this a guilty pleasure, but one of the things I do love about being a fan of the AFC South is – this week, whenever you get two teams like the Colts and Texans, so the Colts are three and twelve, the Texans are four and eleven. They're playing for last place. This game doesn't matter at all. Nobody is going to watch the game. Nobody wants to be there. Nobody wants to be playing in it. But they're forced to play, and uh, it's going to be terrible and it's going to be hilarious. And it may actually be very entertaining. It's kind of like in 2013 when the Texans played the Titans week 17 to clinch the number one draft pick uh, over you know over Jacksonville. And then in addition to that, last place in the AFC, and also clinch a 14-game losing streak. Uh, that you know, this is kind of like a similar game to that as well. So I'm I'm very excited for it. I'm excited for this last place division. Whoever loses is ends up last. Place. And so I'm very excited for this one. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. It's one of the things that you know I really enjoyed about you know, being an AFC South fan or games like this. So are you excited for Texas <laughs> Colts 17? Oh my God! I'm ready for it to be over. I cannot. I don't think I've ever looked forward to the end of the season like I have this season. I mean, you know, at least I'm going to have some good. There should be some excellent playoff football this year. That'll be fun to watch. But this Texas team is just so bad in so many ways. You know, it's just I'm ready for it to end. This is not yeah. an NFL quality football team. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And yeah, you know what? Also thinking about what I was saying. Is that one of those shirts that J.J. Watt's mom had? Except make a Titans, Colts, Texans, Jaguars shirt. You know what I mean? And be like, you know, oh, AFC lover, you know, something like that. And mix all the logos up together. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> a burning thumbtack <laughs> over Toro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, or like you make the the star, you know, like, or like you take the Texans face and then you make the star like the Colts logo. And then you put like a T through the center of it, and then you make the colors in you know, the Jaguars or something like that. I don't know, but I definitely want a shirt of that though. And I make the back say like you know AFC South lover or you know the AFC South is for lovers or uh, I don't know some like some along those lines, you know. The AFC South is for masochists. Yeah, there you go. I need I need email <laughs> Pat as soon as this show's over and see what he can do. <laughs> <laughs> great idea yeah uh so my first question for you about this game is do you think Jacoby Brissett is a starting NFL quarterback he I think he is I think he's a starting NFL quarterback for a pretty mediocre football team depending on what talent you can get to me he's he's a poor man's Tyrod Taylor uh, he, he's not bad he can make plays with his legs he can make a few throws he has a lot to learn still, but he has actually won a few games as an NFL starting quarterback. He is not good, but he's not bad. I mean, this, ultimately his best role would be as backing up. I don't know. How about Deshaun Watson? Yeah. I mean, before that, he, has a, he reminds me of Brett Hundley, but a better arm. Right? They both are really great. Uh, they both have really great legs. They can break tackles really well. But Brett has like an 
actual NFL arm. And so with him, it's just more like processing the game better, uh, being more accurate with his throws. And also just playing behind a better offensive line will help him out greatly too. Where like he's not the type of guy who can, who can like, I, I mean, not to say that he isn't, but I guess right now, uh, he's not the guy who sees the rush and knows exactly where his check down is and can hit that quickly or has the accuracy to throw guys open. And so there's pressure. He has to break seven tackles and try to run for something or throw an interception. And I think if you give him a better offensive line, yeah, he can be capable enough. But I think he's a, he's a much better version probably. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I, you know, again, he, he's a backup. Put him in a better role. And I'd love to have him here next year. I don't know his contract status. I don't think he's available. But I'd love to have him in backup or Tyrod Taylor backing up Sean Watson. I think that'd be a great matchup of skill sets. Yeah. Yeah, so too. Uh, and, and then also, like, you have the guy who can run the same offense. It happens to Watson where you can run the fake jet sweeps, the options the quarterback reads, the draws, and he can throw a play action off of. And, and you know, he can also throw the ball downfield, so I think that would be, you know, a great possibility. But I do believe he he was a rookie last year, so he has two more years left two more in years. Indianapolis. Yeah. So that's – I mean, they could also probably, I don't know, maybe trade Kareem Jackson for him or something too. I don't know. but Or a six-round pick or whatever. But I do think he's at least a backup quarterback to the NFL. And, uh, he's been you know, fun to watch. I think Humley was kind of fun to watch, too, whenever he was scrambling and running for 15 yards because it kind of looked like Aaron Rodgers in a way, and then you would watch him, you know, like completely like air mail and throw an interception to a safety to buy around. It's like, oh, yeah, Brett Humley's still a quarterback there. Yeah. To, uh, you know, I really liked Humley. I thought he was going to be good. He just he always had the tools, but he just never put it together from a football IQ standpoint. Yeah, and he and he had a shot too. I because this is also his last year, and so he's a free agent too. And you know, this was a big opportunity for him, and and uh, he didn't do enough with it. And also, really makes you appreciate just how fantastic Rodgers is too. Uh, who's gonna have more receiving yards in this game, DeAndre Hopkins or T.Y. Hilton? I'm gonna have to go with T.Y. Hilton in this game because his he number one he does it to the Texans anyway. Number two. The speed matchup of Helm versus our entire secondary, you know, kind of minus Hal, is just so grossly unfair. And he's a guy who can do so much with the with the ball after the catch that I will definitely be playing T.Y. Hilton in my last remaining fantasy league this week. <laughs> Are you going to win that one also? I am two for two on championships so far. So this will be the third out of three championships this year for me. Yeah, that, that makes me – very happy for you. Not upset on makes me very happy for you. Yeah, I think Hilton has more yards, too, just because he has a better quarterback. He's also going against a bad secondary, and uh, he usually plays very well against the Texans. Um, so if you're a Colts fan, if you're a Colts fan office person, if you're a Colts player, would you consider the season a success for the Colts at all? Well, I think the first thing I'd have to consider is chugging turpentine. And I think second would be to swallow a match thereafter um I, no there's no way you could call in, unless you're playing for 2018 and playing for those draft picks there's no way you can call the season a success i mean you're supposed to get andrew luck back week one he never showed up you get you have to seriously question whether or not he's ever going to play in a uh, nfl quarterback again you just have to at this point like what else you, you can't assume that anymore so no there's no way this, this team is a nightmare it's run just poorly from a front office standpoint as the texans at this point it's 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 a talentless team. It's old. It's slow. There are the occasional pieces there. Drafting guys like Philip Dorsett when you already had T.Y. Hilton on your roster and no offensive line was stupid. So it's it's a poorly managed. It's a poorly coached team with a poorly ran team with a major hole at quarterback. Yeah. See, yeah, that's and that's the thing about it. it's a luck thing. But I think it's a success after, you know, it kind of realized the severity of Luck's shoulder. It's like once it you know, came like week six and you're, you know, one in five or whatever, and the way the rest of the season played out, I would consider it a success from there because, one, you didn't throw Luck out there at all and risk him getting injured whatsoever. Uh, you had no, you know, worries at all about that happening. He has a whole year to get healthy and hopefully he plays next year. You have a top five draft pick. You have, I believe, $110 million in cap space next year. All of your defensive free agents that you signed, you know, Ball Sheard, Marcus Hunt, uh, Damon Harrison, you drafted Malik Hooker in the first round. 
So all four of those guys are going to be you know, starters on defense for the future. And all those, picks, all those selections, they got. John Simon had a great year too. Um, so all those like fringe signs that you made to Flowers and guys, they worked out really well. Barcavius actually made some plays in Indy this year, which is strange to see. And maybe they decided to bring him back again. There's, there's guys there on defense now after having this really old defense and a really bad defense. You now actually have players on it. And, uh, and with the hooker there, you have like Earl Thomas who can't you know, tackle nearly as well as him. And so offensively, now a big quarterback. You still have Hilton. Uh, you should trade Frank Gore. You don't have an offensive line at all. But you at least have you know, something. If there's luck, you can make everything easier if he comes back. So I do think that the defense is better often than it was. And it's going to be, you know, there's stuff there for next year. You didn't lose any luck. You have plenty of resources to you know, improve immediately next season if luck comes back healthy. And, uh, at, and really, like, the season's not a success because of the injury. But after week six, I would consider a success. Does that make any sense at all? It, yeah, it does. And I can see your argument for that. It's just, you, you, you know, Jabal, yeah, Jabal Sheard is an okay guy, and he's had a really good he's, year. He's been but great like yeah, He's had a yeah. great year. So, I, you know, do you expect that to be the trend, or is that the outlier? Because he wasn't that good in Cleveland. I mean, he was okay. So, I don't know. I, I, I still, if you're a Colt fan, I still wouldn't consider it a successful season. That's just me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, because the entire team's luck and with that whole thing happening. But I think after you found the luck news, I don't think it's gone any better unless, of course, you know, Jacoby Brissett is just as good as Andrew Luck and leads the team to nine wins and then you trade him for a first-round pick or something like that. But, I you know, it went well for him. And, you know, I think Chris Ballard knows what he's doing and that he's going to be a very good GM. And, you know, if what comes back healthy, you have so, so many resources, so much me, so so many draft picks to make this team you know, better quickly. And we all see how you can turn around teams in the NFL as well, too. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for the AFC next year. It's, it's still on the way up, you know. Yeah, and that's a good point because, you know, you have the new GM. And so I, I kind of short-circuited on that. I, I thought Ursay was still there, but he's gone. So, yeah, you definitely have a big improvement in that aspect. And they, they needed it. He's, Ursay, was, Ursay was terrible. He was just miserable. Yeah, and I, I love Pat McAfee's story about their old GM uh, and how much he hated him, too. And my, and also the really funny part is they had all those articles written by him, by like Peter King and the reporters in Indianapolis. And they were like, you know, it's exactly what we need in India, a real laid-back football guy because he wears flip-flops. And they love the fact that he wears flip-flops. He's that, you know, uh, that work ethic, but with that laid-back vibe to a, to a town like Indianapolis, which is just, you know, just so lame and just kill me. And, I, you know, I hate the Colts as a franchise. They ruin luck. Their colors are awful. That blue and white so boring. They have the dullest fans. Uh, Indianapolis is also just such a – I've driven through there once before. Uh, I'd rather – I'd rather drive through Oklahoma than drive through Indiana again. Uh, there's nothing good about that team. There's nothing good about the state. From what I've seen, uh, you know, I hate the Colts, but, you know, I really do like Andrew Luck, and I'm upset that they ruined him. And hopefully he comes back next year, you know, shooting fire out of his eyes again. <laughs> nice nice visual there. Yeah. Uh, so who's the better head coach, Bill O'Brien or Chuck Pagano? I think they're both pretty terrible. I, I seriously wonder if Pagano's going to be there next year, and I seriously wonder if Bill O'Brien's going to be there next year, especially with the word that Bruce Arians is, is, you know, thinking about cheesing it out of Arizona. I could easily see him going back to Indianapolis. So uh, they're both uh, – it, it's a tie for suck. Yeah. Yeah, they're, I, I mean, I would say, you know, Bill O'Brien's better than Pagano, but, hey, you know, Pagano's won – uh, he went to an AFC championship game, and you know, that's more than Bill O'Brien's ever done. With probably a worse roster in some ways and you know, overall. Uh, but whenever you have a quarterback like Luck, as good as he was his second year and third year, it makes things a lot easier too. But, yeah, I mean, but, you know, Pagan's be fired for sure. I think Arian said he's going to stay, or he said he's not, he hasn't said anything yet. He's going to reevaluate it after week 17. But, you know, if he stays, he stays. Uh, I really wouldn't want him in Houston at all. But you know he's an interesting coach, and he has a his hat. He's like the only person I've ever seen pull off a Kegel hat before, and uh, that's good <laughs> enough for me. You know, that's a great point. I can't possibly beat that one. 
Yeah, there's a there's a dude at work who's wearing a Kangol hat the other day. I asked him, say, hey, are you an Arizona Cardinals fan? He's like, no, man, what do you mean? I said, I have never mind. He just walked away. He just left him confused. <laughs> yeah, you um, were probably pretty sad, too. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, damn it, damn it. Uh, so is there anything else you want to talk about regarding this game? Do you have any other burning questions? No, no. I, I just – I'm so ready. And this game, just it's just a miserable way to end the year against this team. At least we could have ended against the Steelers and gotten the butt whooping and then, hey, it's over, and we got the ending we deserve. Instead, we're going to have to watch this flop fest on Sunday. It's going to be a <laughs> three hours and 15 minutes of, oh, my God, these teams are so bad. Yeah, and you probably, you probably won't even be able to get the game. I know I probably won't be able to here in, here in Antonio at all, uh, but I won't be around for it. I'm going to watch the condensed version, though, and really love it. So, BFD – Let's hear your prediction. Will the Texans, the 2017 East Texans, finish last place in the AFC South? I don't care. <laughs> Damn. Oh, no. I, I, I do think the Colts win this one just because that would be – this season has been, you know, go go full Bill O'Brien, and I think just why not. We go full, full Bill O'Brien. T.Y. Hilton scores two or three touchdowns. And it's another game that is going to wind up something like 27 to 7, and it'll be not as close as it looks. So that's my prediction. Andre, DeAndre Hopkins with the touchdown, because that's what we do. We get a touchdown from DeAndre Hopkins. So why not keep that as a thing? Saying he'll help another touchdown where he falls down, nobody touches him and gets up and scores. <laughs> I could see you are talking about for T.Y. Hilton. Yeah. Oh, I could totally see that as a thing. That's really that's like the only thing I want. I want that. I want a Jabal Sheard strip sack, um, and I want like two DeAndre Hopkins touchdowns. Yeah, and Jack, I bet you Jack Doyle is, does things because we can't cover tight ends right now. Yeah, and uh, and Doyle had a pretty good game last week too against the against the Ravens as well. I mean, you know, they're pretty feisty against the Ravens, so I don't know. I had the Texans losing twenty to fourteen. I think Hopkins catches two touchdown passes. I think it's going to come down to like some last drive and TJ Yates, uh, you know, can't do it. And the Colts win and the Texans finish last place in the AFC South and all of Cleveland rejoices that they're going to get a top five pick for, uh, you know, trading down last year. And then also get the 37th pick for paying, paying off uh, Brock Oswald and to come there as well too. Yeah. Just think about that. I mean, granted it's Cleveland. But just think about that. They're going to have all these high draft picks again. I mean, at some point, they have to strike on somebody, right? Yeah. and they, I mean, they have. They just have it at the most important position. They have the best run defense in football. And also, like, I'm fine, you know, with the Browns' selections that they made. Uh, you know, I'm fine with them training back and kind of waiting until they took their quarterbacks to have a better situation set up and taking a chance on Kaiser and all that. But, I've, you know, Hugh Jackson's a terrible head football coach. He's running an offense that doesn't match his personnel. Greg Williams, a terrible defensive coordinator. Uh, I think the issue there is coaching. It wasn't their front office at all. And so I, I don't. I can't believe Jackson's going to be one in what is it? There's 16 games, one in 31 in two seasons, and get to coach football again next year. It's it's so incredibly dumb, you know. Yeah, at this point, I have to agree. I did like uh, Jackson coming out as a head coach, and you just can't like him anymore. Yeah, and he was bad in Oakland, too, when he got a chance there also. Yeah, but sometimes it takes, it, you know, time to learn, but it just doesn't seem that he's learning. And he, and he and it's weird, too, because, like, molding offense around Andy Dalton and turned Dalton to a top-ten quarterback briefly, and now all of a sudden he's the head coach and he can't. It's like he has too much on his plate, you know, and uh, he's a good offensive coordinator and a lousy head coach. Wow, that, that, that sounds – has a familiar ring to it, a, a head coach getting in over his head with too much to do and not being successful in either, either role. I wonder where yeah, else that would happen. I, I wouldn't even call O'Brien a good offensive coordinator because good offensive coordinator year came with Tom Brady, Rob Kowski, Aaron Hernandez, and just like a complete superhuman offense, you know. It's not the entirely same thing as turning Andy Dalton, A.J. Green, and Muhammad Sanu into the top ten offense. Right. So – uh, all right, well, I, I, so I have Houston losing 2014. You got Houston losing 27-7. Uh, I'm all ready for this game. I, I can't wait to come back from West Texas on Monday on New Year's Day. 
eat some fajitas. Well, man, eat some fajitas. Uh, star a new life on January 1st. And uh, there's no better way to do it than watching you know, this Texans Colts game. So we had a few few questions from UT to carry on carry us on to in the show. The first one is again old videotape of Warner Brothers cartoons for Christmas. So it got me thinking. If you had staff an entire offense full of Lewington characters, who would play which position and how many points would they score on our defense? <laughs> well, I think clearly you gotta put Tasmanian Devil at running back. So he and he would just go to school. I, you know, even though we stopped the run very well, but you know, read her out, we're not as good as we were. But I'd say that's. I think that's your first one. It seems to me that um, no, the rest of them would suck. I was trying. I thought Goofy would have a good role, but I can't find a role for Goofy. Goofy seems more like our one well, of our cornerbacks. Goofy's, Goofy's not Looney Tunes though. Looney Tunes is like Bugs and, and Elmer, oh. and that weird furry oh. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got nothing. I'm tired. Don't feel well. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the, the biggest thing, I think you have to put Bugs at quarterback. You would have five falling leghorns at offensive line. But I think they're kind of soft. You know, I think their pad level is a little too high. So I don't know actually how well, you know, that one would work out. And then you probably put – that cat can't play football. That skunk can't play football. You put the Tasmanian devil at like, you know, running back. You'd have, you got that Martian. He's probably too small. Maybe you need your offensive coordinator. But I think as long as you have bugs, you know, you really doesn't matter what else you have on your team. It's kind of like, you know, Deshaun Watson. Whoever, it doesn't matter who the other 10 guys are. If you got bugs at quarterback, you're going to feel a good offense. Yeah, because he kind of brings that team together. Just with yeah. the smack talk alone. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, we also have here, how can we convince drug enthusiast Jim Ursay to keep Chuck Pagano around? And I I, I listened to some Pat McAfee thing. He was talking about whenever he got in trouble for driving his car drunk and getting arrested. Or no, he didn't drive his car drunk when he, got, when he found Pagano at some river in the middle of nowhere, drunk at 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, I remember that. Ur, yeah, Ursay was like, he became friends and pals with him after that happened. Just like Ursa gravitates towards guys who makes mistakes, who get way too intoxicated in bad decisions. And as long as they learn from their mistakes, you know, they become pals. So the way to keep Chuck Pagano around is you have to fill his entire car with, you know, cocaine, drive across the Mexico border, try to drive back with it and have him get caught and then have Ursa pay off the cops to keep to keep Pagano from going to jail and then have him coach the 2017 season. That's what you have to do. You have to get Pagano in trouble for being intoxicated or you're selling drugs in some shape or form. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's how you have to do it. Uh, but that's also that's all he got here. He says that Indiana is more redeemable than Oklahoma, which uh, for the purpose of the Indianapolis Colts, I, I disagree. And also his – his NCAA college football pool is a lot of fun, and uh, I'm very excited to play again this year. And no, he's holding a gun to my head when he say that. <laughs> that's great. So, anyways, that's all I got for tonight. Uh, thank you for being on. Thank you, everybody, for listening live. You have listened live. We will be back on next Tuesday, live at 7 p.m. Central, where we will discuss Week 17, the Texans Colts game. And it may be a little short on that because we have the NFL playoffs and we have the divisional round, it's going to, or the wild card round, I should say, and it's going to be a lot of fun next weekend. And we can preview those a little bit and make some picks, um, you know, have a good time because it's, you know, it's, it's the last good thing of winter is the NFL playoffs, and then you're just kind of cold for five more weeks. And you get to see the, the sun again, take your shirt off. So uh, I'm very excited for next week. It should be a lot of fun. I won't be around this weekend, but uh, I'll be there in spirit. So. Anyways, thank you for being on tonight, BFD. Thank you for listening live, everybody. I'm Matt Weston. Thank you for listening to Red Radio.
Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out. And if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs> 